Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to this episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. Today I am super excited to speak with Cynthia Pickett. Cynthia is a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed addictions counselor with a thriving psychotherapy practice in Reno, Nevada. She assists in healing adolescents, adults, and families who are struggling with a variety of mental illness and environmental difficulties. Now, I'm super excited to speak with her today because we're going to be talking about answering the question, are you being self-centered, selfish, or self-aware in your relationships? Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. Hi, Talia. It's so good to see you again. Yes, we had a conversation the other day and it just flowed effortlessly. I love having you on. Thank you. And I love talking with you too. This is a lot of fun. So I'm excited today to talk about all the selves, selfish, self-centered, and Mm self-aware. Before we get into that, I'd love to start with a little bit about yourself and how you got to be in the position you're in today. See another self. So um, (laughs) I. Well, I started um, 30 years ago. I was a hot chocolate mess, very, very toxic, non-functioning in any area of my life, and truly very selfish, very selfish. And so I started a journey of becoming self-aware and um, figuring out my patterns. And so for the first 10 years, I taught myself to be functionable. And then the next last 20 years, since about 2000, I have really worked on uncovering my patterns uh, and becoming really self-aware and turning the selfish into what I hope is self-centered. I mean, that's that's the feedback I get. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with that. And and thereby increasing the quality of my life. Awesome. Yeah. So now let's talk a little bit about, because we're throwing all these words around, let's define some of these. So self-centered, selfish, and self-aware. Let's clarify. So can you give us a little bit of background on those words? Okay. For me and, and different clinicians and different sources will define selfish and self-centered. They'll interchange them. But for me... I define selfish as like spoiled rotten brat. Everything is all about me. Me, me, me. I want my way. I'm going to impose myself upon other people. If I don't get my way, there's going to be attitude or a tantrum or, you know, the world revolves around me. And to be clear, a lot of these people don't realize that they're being selfish I was just about to say. Right? <laughs> yeah. It, it is because I don't do that well. You know, a lot of people actually do. So self-centered is I put myself at the top of the list in terms of self-care. So self-centered, realizing that if I don't take care of me, there is nothing for me to pass on to anybody else. So the clients that I serve, my family, friends, neighbors, there is nothing else. Like this is where trickle down truly does work. And we have this part backwards too, where a lot of us put us at ourselves at the bottom, but then there's nothing to flow up. So our worlds are not revolving around us in terms of 
I want to have my way, but it's boundaried. So I have to take time for me. Like maybe there's exercise time or meditation time or something that's going to fill my cup so that I can be of service to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Fill my cup. Yeah. Fill myself because we run dry. And then what happens? Yeah. We get sick. Yeah. It's like the analogy of like being on an airplane and putting on your mask before you can help other people. And it's interesting. People are like, well, but I want to help my kid. But it's like, well, you can't help your kid if you're passed out, right? <laughs> so right. you got you to gotta make sure you look after yourself first and then help other people. Correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Correct. Which is not the same thing as being selfish, mm-hmm. right? Because we're doing it, yes, for us, but it's also too so that we can be of maximum benefit to anybody else who may need us. Right. And be the type of person that we want to be which is the type of person that can, is able to help other people. Correct. And when we put ourselves at the bottom of the list and we start running dry, not only do we get physically get sick, but we get irritable or maybe we get snappy with the people we love, argumentative, we're not sleeping well. Like it has a whole host of physical effects that happen there as well. Mm -hmm. And we're not the people that we want to be. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about self-centered and selfish. Now I feel like self-aware is, so you're talking about like a lot of people who are selfish, obviously, I I think that a lot of them don't mean to be like, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in our life that we kind of get caught up in this whirlwind. And I think the self-aware, that's the kind of piece of the puzzle (laughs) that is useful to decide to be self-centered versus selfish. But what's that gap, that bridge how do we first, like, we, first of all, we realize that we're being selfish and then we make a decision that that's actually not how we want to behave. Correct. And then we, then we move over to being self-centered. So how do, how do we, what happens there? How do we become self-aware enough to realize, make these realizations? Correct. Well, changing from one to the other is not that easy. It's not just a decision. Right. <laughs> I wish it was. Mm-hmm. Then life would be easier. But I'd also, too, be out of a job, so I don't know. Right. But, um, <laughs> so, self-aware is exactly that. So it's tuning into what am and I, it, and I got to tell you all right straight up, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of energy to become self-aware. So we tune into everything about our being, what we're feeling, when we're feeling it, why we're feeling it, what we're saying, how we're saying it, what we're thinking. What's that idle stream of junk that's going through? What is that, right? What's the expression on our face when we're talking to people? What's the tone that comes out? And it takes a lot of effort and energy to do that. but. If you do it and say, well, within 30 days, you can change the habits. But if you gave it 100% effort and just buckled in and did it for one, maybe two weeks, it would become so much easier. Then you're becoming more, um, you're creating the habit of being self-aware versus being superficial. And it really does happen that quick. Mm -hmm. The more effort and energy you put in the first week or two, that first week or two just sucks. It does. It's hard. Right. But it gets dramatically easier just that quick. Right. And then you understand, then it'll click in place. And then that habit, that new habit 
is already created. Mm-hmm. And with that new habit, then it's like, oh, well, that's not the person that I want to be. Right. Oh, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so part of the self-awareness, too, is in realizing that all of our selfish or unconscious behaviors are serving a purpose. Right. Right. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's not necessarily so easy to just make the switch because we have to understand like what is being fed in me? What is the purpose of me being selfish, trying to get my way, trying to impose myself? Well, a lot of times that's just me trying to get my needs met. Well, why am I trying to get my needs met? Well, I have a history of not getting my needs met. I have a history of not being heard. And so now I have to be more, more, I want to not assertive, but more forceful, not in an abusive kind of way, but more, more like a steamroller. Right. Right. And trying to get my needs met so that I feel better. And, um, and so then when you work on where your needs have not been met in the past, it makes it easier for you to just kind of let down the guard, not being such a steamroller in the present and become more self-centered. Right. Right. So yeah, another way I'm kind of, that just came to me when you said that and be more self-centered was like more conscious of what's happening. So you can really make, you know, you've got that awareness. The awareness is the key, is the key to the kingdom. (laughs) It is. Yes. Because you can't change anything you don't acknowledge. Nope. You cannot. No, I just, I just left a young lady. Gosh, she's so brave. We were working on uh, her communication patterns with her loved one and she got a a real eyeful we're working on her 50 percent right and she got a real eyeful of oh my gosh i've been so hard to communicate with oh my gosh no wonder he doesn't communicate with me right this is what i do right and so she's like oh my god and i'm like yeah i know i've had those moments where it's like oh i've been behaving like this in public oh no me too me too yeah (laughs) yeah of course but you can't beat yourself up for something that you didn't know until then right and you can't change the pattern if you don't know it yes so right so even as brave and as hard as all of those realizations are that she just had she now has the opportunity to do it different yeah i oh my gosh i you just like perfectly summed it up yeah it's like a gift it's like there is that cringe moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like you said, did I just behave like that? And then you're like, okay, but great. This is an opportunity because I don't have to do that anymore. Right. If I, you know, now I can, now I can decide what I want to do because I'm aware of it. Exactly. I don't like the way this feels. Right. I don't want to treat people I love like this anymore. Yep. And now I can change the behavior. Yeah. And you can get complete about it. You can say, you can have an apology and a really sincere apology. But Mm -hmm. the power in the apology is not repeating the same behavior. So you say sorry, and then you don't do it again. (laughs) Correct. So she was going home to apologize. Right. right? After, after, that's what I imagine, Reg, you and I are talking. I imagine that's exactly what's happening right now. Right. And then we role played, well, how how are we going to do it differently? Right. Right. So some of these patterns are still going to be there while we're unworking it. But she has the awareness, and now it's just jumping over that chasm from selfishness to self-centeredness mm-hmm. with the boundaries. Right. 
And I gave her tools to utilize in the meantime to keep doing any more damage to the relationship. Nice. Yeah. And what comes up for me when you say that, like self moving to self-centered is like part of being self-centered and focusing on yourself in a, you know, in a healthy way is communicating your needs in a really respectful way. So people are like, well, I need this and I need this, but it doesn't have to be like you say, forceful or steamroller. I think that's a really great analogy. It can just be, this is where I'm at. And then people, and I like that because it gives people an opportunity to make, it's kind of like, it's like, give me, let me be an adult, give me all the information I need to make my own decision. If you don't give me the information of, of your needs, then I can't make a decision, right? So I'm just going to do whatever right. I think. And I think, you know, it's interesting. This comes to mind. A friend of mine was telling me she just went through, we went through a really grueling lockdown in Australia, but we were in lockdown for over a hundred days. So it's been really, really grueling. And a lot of relationships are not making it, the cut. And um, one of my friends is, you know, in a rocky position with her partner. And she was saying like, there's just been years of no communication. So, she, so then they're assuming what the other one thinks they want and, and no one's communicating what their needs are. And then there's just all this disconnect. There's a space between them keeps growing because the communication is so lacking. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we haven't had, unfortunately, we have not had a complete lockdown. But at the same time, there's been an awful lot of couples that have been stuck in the same four walls with their kids too, doing distance learning. Right. And it's been for more than three months. I wish we had just ripped the Band-Aid off and got it done in 100 days, right? But it's been since March and a lot of people are finding out, I don't like my partner. I don't like my kids. I don't like my life. Like, I don't like, right? Yeah. Anxiety is coming through the roof. And this is where the self-centeredness needs to be because we've been conditioned to take care of everybody else, putting us at the bottom. And when you're in these sorts of environments, you can't function that way. Like we really do have to put self-care at the top, Mm -hmm. right? In order to keep from, uh, I don't know, can I say this? In order to keep from killing people, I don't mean really killing people, like I'm not advocating, but like all out war with one another, right? right? Yeah. With screaming and yelling. And in some cases, domestic violence has been on the uprise. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all of this stuff is being acted out in these extreme situations. Mm-hmm. I know it's been a really tough year. I know. And I think more than ever now, the requirement of self-awareness is just, you know, we just really need to be more, everyone needs to be more self-aware. And even like out in public as well, like... um. I remember I went into a, uh, a store and in Australia, I'm not sure if they have this in the States, but when we were in hardcore lockdown, if you, need, you did need to go out um, to like an essential services shop, there was like an in and out door. So there's a one way street so that people, mm-hmm. um, and there was like markers on the floor, but we're not used to this, right? So we're still getting used to it. And, and so people aren't used to walking in one door and out the other door and being kind of chauffeured through in a certain way. And so there was some confusion and some other people were getting a bit cranky about it. And it was like, you know, there's also that compassion too. Like we're all in this together. Let's be aware enough to go, okay, yes, this is frustrating that this person maybe isn't like aware of the surroundings and really noticing like, you know, that in in the way that might be kind of helpful or moving everyone forward, but that they're going through their own stuff too. So, you know, being self-aware enough to go, well, I don't know their story. I don't know what's happened in their life. I've got no idea. All I can be responsible for is myself and, and how I handle this particular situation. Just like there's just so much coming up, I feel like. 
Right. And being self-aware, too, is in recognizing, yes, this is annoying me to no end right now, and I'm feeling irritated. But the awareness is just because I'm annoyed and irritated doesn't mean I need to open my mouth. Yes. And in fact, right now, I need to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And the, and the irritation is mine, not theirs. My irritation. That's and right. I do not have the right, right to inflict my nasty on another human being, right. which is why I need to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> unless I'm 100% sure that what is coming out of my mouth is kind. Yes, and productive. And respectful, right? right? Yeah. And if I'm not 100% sure that I cannot be snippy, then it just needs to be zip it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Until we're no longer flooded. And we then and then when you get outside the store, it's like, okay, why did that fire me up so bad? Right. What Looking at your own behavior. What was that all about? Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. that's both self-aware and self-centered because doing our own work also too puts us at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. The more healed I am, the more in touch I am with me, again, the better of service I can be to my partner, to my kids, my family, my community, right? All yeah. the way around. Plus, I feel more peaceful, mm-hmm. right? I'm physically healthier and that trickles down as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You just, man, I, I, I love that we're like having this episode because I feel like this is <laughs> all of the, the way that we're describing everything. I think about this a lot, right? And I always have this analogy of this like little toddler, um, at, like you're kind of walking through life and then you do a few fall over and you make a mistake and something does come out of your mouth in that situation that's not respectful. And then you apologize and you learn from it, become self-aware, analyze, okay, why did I, what was going on for me? Why was I so in, impatient and irritable? And then you learn. And again, if you say, sorry, you don't do it again. <laughs> so it's that, right. you know, it's not like it's right. not going to happen. It's just about how we how we deal with it and how aware we are once these things happen, because they do happen. Sometimes we've had a hard day or something, or we're just not as aware as we might like to be on a particular day. And I feel like there's also that space there where we can really shut ourselves down and really come down hard when it's like, sometimes we need to show a little bit of grace to ourselves as well. Right. So even if I I know that if I'm not a hundred percent certain that what comes out of my mouth can be kind and respectful, then I know I have to keep my mouth shut. Like, that's just my rule. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to even take a chance in inflicting my, my mood on another person, mm-hmm. but I don't get to be nasty to myself about it either. Right. Right. It just is what it is. Right. I'm having a feeling and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And there's been no damage done that I need to clean up with an apology, either a verbal apology or an energetic apology. And I can just then process like what just happened, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Without having to sweep the aisle of all of the the broken glass that I've left behind. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is like such a great conversation. (laughs) All right. So I want to ask you, let's say we're in a relationship and we find that somebody is being selfish and you're noticing. So this is, I, I think this is a kind of a tricky situation let's say I'm self-aware enough and I'm self-centered enough to know, okay, my partner's being selfish. But obviously if I say, well, you're being selfish, probably not going to get the desired result. Don't say that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I don't think so. <laughs> not, a, not a very useful or helpful comment. So, so what's the kind of a way that we could perhaps address that, in a, like you said, a kind and respectful way that's also you know, going to actually move things along? 
in one way or another, because we can't control the outcome. We can only control ourselves. Yeah, well, saying that there's, there's it, right? And so we can't necessarily move it along, and we can't have the goal of changing anybody. Right, great. Okay, so, but I do want to say that in cases of abuse, verbal or physical, mm-hmm. perpetrators are very, 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 very selfish people. And so these are relationships that you just need to get out of. Um, they, they can't, it, they can, it, it's, it's not, they're not fixable. They're not workable. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and, and usually those are the relationships where people are trying to get them to see or trying to change them or, you know, if they'd only understand and that kind of stuff. And, and the, the perpetrator, the abuser has no intention of understanding. And so the cycle continues. But in just a regular dysfunctional relationship without any abuse, and you notice that somebody's being a bit on the selfish side, then you want to speak in I messages. So I, I'm feeling like I'm not being considered here. I'm not feeling like I'm being heard. What we do in the communication with our partners is do not, I, I feel this when, no, like that doesn't work either. So it's more like I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not being heard. I'm not feeling like I'm being considered. I'm not feeling like my needs are being met. And then that gives the person the opportunity to either validate you. And then that means things are moving along because we got some validation. Or they're going to like come back at you and say, don't be ridiculous. I, of course, I validate you or I listen to you or whatever. And that will tell you that this person has no intention of making changes. Right. Okay. Right? So their response is going to tell you everything. And then your choice is I love and accept the person exactly the way they are. Or I look at consider the possibility of terminating the relationship. Right. And I know it sounds really kind of cut and dry right now when we're speaking about it, but it absolutely is not. <laughs> cut and dry. It's not. I mean, there's a whole process that goes along with it, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will stay with a selfish person and you set up boundaries, right? Like, mm-hmm. excuse me, I'm not feeling heard. You know, right. no, it's not acceptable to snap at me. No, no, I get to pick where we go to eat tonight. It's been a while since I've been able to pick where we go to eat. I haven't been able to select a movie in a long time. I'd like to choose tonight's movie, right? And we can, so we can set some boundaries and hopefully your partner doesn't respond with anger to boundaries. Right. So in relationships that really aren't workable, that are really about power and control and not about mutuality, the person, when you set a boundary will respond with anger because they're losing power and control. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So what if, what if we do find ourselves in that situation? I know, I know that you said like, you know, okay, maybe it might be time to terminate the relationship, but is how, like, I feel like if someone's been with someone for a while, that mm-hmm. might be a last resort leaving. So is there some steps before that, that we can, might be able to try if they are meeting our boundaries with anger? Mm-hmm. Setting out, setting some boundaries. And working on yourself and figuring out why you've accepted this maltreatment all of these years. 
Yeah. yeah and I, I know somebody that's been in a 45 year marriage and like just now divorce is coming on the table. Wow. Because all of this time there's been maltreatment and the conditioning is so intense to the maltreatment that they haven't seen it until now. Right. So, again, so they're setting the boundaries and we'll see if the partner comes along and accepts mm-hmm. the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Or you build the esteem to the point, raise them up and build the esteem to the point that they are like, you know, I deserve better. I, I'm just not going to do this any longer. And sometimes that process can take years. Right. Right. But it's still moving things along, which is what you were said, right? Mm-hmm. It may not be the direction that we want to go, mm-hmm. but we're not the ones making those choices, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we, we would like to have our partner come along with us, but we also, too, have to respect their choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their choice is to continue to hold on to the power and control. And then my choice is like, yeah, but I, I'm done with the whole power and control. I don't want to be controlled anymore. Like, I just don't want to do it. Right. I, I think that that piece that you just mentioned about, okay, now I need to look at why I'm allowing this to happen. And I think that's, right. such, a, that's such a kind of like painful process to, to go, oh, why, why have I been accepting this? Or, and like wishing right. that the other person will change when I'm not in control of that one iota. Hoping, focusing on the good times and um, yeah, playing with what's real. So I was just talking to somebody a little while ago, like, don't let's not play with the times when everything's nice and easy and everybody's getting along like that stuff that that's everywhere. That's easy. That's not what a relationship is made of. Right. What a relationship is made of is when the rubber hits the road and times are not so good. Right. So then what is the relationship? What's real in the relationship? So it's not about focusing on the good times. It's are the bad times acceptable? Is it what I want to live with? Mm-hmm. Knowing that you cannot change another person. Mm-hmm. You cannot. Mm-hmm. We have to like unconditional love means exactly that. Mm-hmm. I love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. I love your bad behaviors. Right. I love you when you're having your worst day ever. Mm-hmm. Because your bad behaviors on your worst day ever are not demeaning to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I can still show you respect even on my worst day ever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that may be in another room because I understand that I'm not, I, I'm not like, I got to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I have to keep myself, but it passes. And then I have not done any damage to anybody I love. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to point, point that out too. You're talking about keeping your mouth shut, that, that that's a setting a boundary within ourselves. My boundary Correct. is I'm not going to talk unless it's kind. Unless and I am a hundred percent. Right. I feel like this episode, um, you know, I, I've worked through a lot of this stuff myself. I mean, and obviously it's just a continuing thing. It's not like, oh, you're working on it. And I'm, yeah, it just never stops. <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot of resistance because I've certainly been in the situation where I've hoped that someone would change and they, of course, didn't. <laughs> and then I had to have this exact process of going, well, is this what I choose? Because I don't think it is. And, and then having to make that cut, you know. Right. And it's not that cut and dry, as you know, like it is a process, yes. right? But ultimately, it's either or. 
there is not really an in-between, mm-hmm. right? You're either choosing to accept and then you work within yourself, but but depending on what's going on, you have to ask yourself, why would you choose this? Right. And then it's like, well, because I love them. Well, I'm going to challenge that. Like if you're sitting in my office, we're going to discuss that because that's not what love is. Right. Right. That's needy codependence. It's, it's not what love is. Love is not sacrificing yourself. Mm-hmm. And we can love people from a distance. You can still love somebody. It doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with them. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. I'm really glad um, you brought that up. I'm really glad you brought that up. When I uh, split with my ex, I was like heartbroken. My heart was just shattered. And he yeah. said to me, he said, I said, I, I said something, he was talking about something and I said, but I love you. Those were the words. And he said, he said, so love me. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. said, so love me. You don't need to be with me to love me. That's right. Yeah. And it was we really don't. powerful and it really, um, it really stuck with me. And I was like, and when he said that, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to keep loving you then. It was, really, it was really beautiful. From afar. From afar, and maybe yeah. From afar. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And those are the best breakups ever, right? Very Where painful. <laughs> Very painful. It is painful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's no anger and animosity and bitterness. And, you know, at some level, we remember why we got into the relationship to begin with. Just knowing that it just didn't work out. It ran its course. Yeah. And that's okay. Like all relationships end. I think we get into relationships thinking that they're going to last forever. They're not. Mm -hmm. There is going to be an ending. And so it's one of the things we discuss in my office is get into relationships. Just know it's going to end. It is. It's just a matter of when and how. Mm -hmm. Right? So is it going to be a three-month relationship? Is it going to be a five-year relationship? Is it going to be a 50-year relationship with this dramatic deathbed scene? Like, we don't know, but there is an ending. And so when you know that there is going to be an ending, somebody's going to move or schedules get busy, babies are born, grandchildren are born, like all kinds of things happen that change relationships. Relationships are constantly changing. And so it's being aware of the fact that the relationship is going to change. It's just a matter of when and how. And likely it's going to end. Maybe we grow apart because one of us is becoming more self-aware and the other one is choosing to stay selfish. And it's just not going to work for us anymore, right? But when we come to the table, not clinging to, gosh, I want this to last forever, usually because I'm so afraid of my own abandonment stuff, then when we take that clinging off the table, it makes it easier to just enjoy the relationship for what it is right now. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes apparent that it's just no longer working, it makes it easier to let it go. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hopefully in a loving way where it's like, you know, Nobody's good, nobody's bad, no hard feelings. We're just oil and water right now. It's not mixing. It's not working. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. It sounds very healthy, (laughs) that description, (laughs) you know, of like, you know, like you said, like coming without the clinging on the table and just being like, okay, I, I feel like that's really truly living in the moment. I remember there was a time in my life with that actually partner and I remember, I remember living it and I was like, oh my gosh, I am so in the moment right now. 
I am so in the moment and I'm just loving it. And I remember like, it was probably the only time in my life where I really was very present. And I don't know how, I think I was just so in love and it was just this amazing magical period. And I remember because I was so in the moment, nothing else was hindering my ability to enjoy and just be there. And it was just an incredible experience. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that everyone has experienced that of really being in the moment, you know, truly living it. Uh -uh. And that even can make it harder to let it go because it was so nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now it's not so nice. And we want to get back what we once had, but you can't go backwards either. No, you really can't. <laughs> you, you really can't. can't. <laughs> no, it's just whatever, whatever purpose that relationship served, whatever lessons, whatever purposes, wh- the, it's just come to an end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's and like you said, that's okay. Run its course and it is okay. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't mean anybody's done anything wrong. Like then a lot of times we take it as, what did I do wrong? What right. did I do wrong? Well, you didn't do anything wrong, right? I mean, there is 50-50 in a relationship, but suppose it just ran its course. And mm-hmm. then you have to grieve, but it takes away the clinging. It's like when the abandonment stuff starts creeping in, that, that, that's when it gets really intense. But you can separate like, I'm grieving the loss of this relationship, but why is the grieving going on and on and on and on? Well, you're also, too, doing historical abandonment work that's coming to the surface that has nothing to do with this relationship. Mm, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I definitely was grieving for a very long time. And yeah, and, and, and there was a lot of work that went into working through that and a lot of feelings that were felt, like you know, really intense moments of loneliness, sometimes longer periods of really intense feelings. And there was really, I don't know if you have this, there's this great book in Australia. I'm not sure if you have it in the States. It's called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And they talk about, you can't go, you can't go around it. You can't go over it. You have to go through it. Through it. And I also, and I've always thought of that analogy with, you know, feelings. It's like you either feel the feelings now and really in in, and get, get that or you numb it and you keep pushing it out, you're pushing it out, and that's when it comes back to bite you. <laughs> you know, it's going to come out sometime. <laughs> right. And that's where at least our society, I don't know about yours, has done a bad job at teaching us that it's okay to feel. Yeah. Like I have just, like so many people work so hard to not feel, and if they do have these uncomfortable feelings... They're just sure they have done something to mess it up. Like, what am I doing wrong? I've got all these feelings. I want to stop feeling. Well, I can't teach you how to do that. (laughs) That's not healthy. (laughs) It's okay to feel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right? But they feel like they're supposed to be like the poster people of um, everything's peaceful. Everything's perfect. The social media poster, right? Everything's perfect. Look how happy we all are. Yeah. And none of that is real. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have to have, you have to have the balance between the uncomfortable emotions and the, the ones that we like to feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember a, a partner of mine, um, I was trying to get close to him and he, every time he talked about something really significant or important or meaningful, he would get defensive and, and really quite get quite cranky at me. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, okay, well, let's just, I mean, I don't want to do this, so let's just stop. 
And then eventually all these things happened in his life. People died, experiences happened, and then all this emotion came up and he, he just hit a wall and he's like, he said to me, I'm so stuck. And so I suggested him getting some help and this particular um, program and he did it. And he, he's like, oh my gosh, he rings me after the weekend and he's like, I had such a breakthrough. And he goes, I have all these realizations. Like he had a hit, like a truck of self-awareness hit him. <laughs> And he was just like, oh my gosh, he goes, I know, I realize now that you were trying to get close to me and you were trying to get through to me and I just would not let you in. And right. I was like, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And he's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did that. And I was like, it's, it's okay. But like, I'm just glad that you kind of like have this awareness now so you can make a decision not to do that again if that's not what you want. And he's like, yeah, it's just been, it, it altered his path because he had this brand new lens to look at life. The self-awareness. The self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he used self-centered skills to recognize he needed help and accept the help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did resist the help a lot because I was, I was telling him for a long time about this thing and he was just like, no, I don't need that. I'm not going to do that. And I was like, all right. And then I just kept saying it because I'm like, I know, I, I know, I said to him, I know I sound like a broken record. I just know this is going to help you. Because I know at your core that you're a really amazing person, but there's all this stuff in the way and, you know, and I can't help you. I'm not, I can't help you with that. (laughs) You know, that's, you you have to, if you want to change, then you have to do the work. Right. Well, you're lucky you had somebody that heard you. Well, I think here's the thing. He heard me because his back was up against a wall and he, he came to me. I didn't come to him and say, well, you should do this. First of all, I don't like saying that to people. You should, should, should. That's, you know, you should do whatever you want to do. (laughs) He came to me and said, ask for my advice. And then I said, this is what I, if it was me, this is what I would do. And then he was like, okay. And he said to me, I'm so desperate. I'll do anything. And I said, great. Then see what happens. And then he did it. That's it too. We do our best work when we're in crisis. Mm -hmm. Like rarely do we reach out for help when things are cruising along really good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's yeah. through the storms that it's like, ah, help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm right. at a loss. Just anybody, you know, help me. <laughs> I'll take anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, I feel like this has been such an amazing episode. We've, I feel like we've gotten to some really, um, really important distinctions and clarity around these things that are really, I just think that the whole rebel love and, and, and what I'm trying to achieve with this is this exact thing of like examining ourselves, having this self-awareness. So I just feel like this has been so valuable. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed chatting with you. Yes. Oh, I always enjoy chatting with you. It's amazing. Um, (laughs) If if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about what you do, how can they do that? Um, my website, uh, CynthiaPickett.com. Perfect. Great. Well, if you'd like to find out more information on this episode, including the show notes, you can go to rebellove.com forward slash EP16. Again, that is rebellove.com forward slash EP16. Cynthia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Talia. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.